Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Still no break in the weather. Plus 100 degrees every day for the next seven days. There is one thing that we're starting to notice, though. The nighttime lows have been getting lower and lower. They had been 80, way too hot for many of our plants to do well. But now they're starting to drop off. So the hope is maybe we'll get cool enough where those fall veggies, those fall tomatoes and peppers and things like that, we'll be able to start producing fruit again. We can hope. Uh, there's no real promise of uh, any rain. That's the make or break for us. So not a lot we can do about that. Again, there is no real urgency to get outside to do much to your plants. In this heat, almost all of the plants we have are seriously stressed out. They're not craving fertilizer. They probably wouldn't complain if they've got either a foliar or a drench of seaweed. But you don't have to go out there and trim. You don't have to be out in this weather quite yet. If you're going to be out, early morning is always the key. And since these mornings are getting a little cooler, maybe you can manage getting a little more time out there. Look at your plants. See what is making it. And what isn't making it? Maybe you've got a plant that wants a much wetter or cooler environment than we had. And what we experienced this summer, uh, this isn't a one-time deal, folks. This is going to become more and more common. So we, uh, we really need to... Pay attention to what's going on. Let's go to the phone. This is Cheryl. Cheryl, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Hey, I apologize if you've gotten this question before, but with the dry weather and the grass is dying and stuff like that, what can we do this fall to help with the grass for the spring? As soon as it's cool enough, and that means below 85 degrees. Top dressing with compost. A quarter inch makes a huge difference. Don't do more than half an inch. But if you can draw, uh, spread fresh compost, good quality organic matter across the turf um, this fall, you are getting a really good start for spring. That'll help improve the soil and will help build up the 
root mass for the grass. Uh, it, it's really the thing that will get it fired up for spring. You can always you can always apply things like soil activator, seaweed, uh, molasses. Those products on um, oh maybe once a month basis now through spring plus the compost. Wow, you'll get a nice green turf. Okay, very good. All right, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Cheryl. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. Good morning. I have nursed my second time around of tomato transplants, indoors, under lights and all, and they're getting about six or eight inches tall. My question is, um, is it still too hot to try to put them out in the ground and if I put them out in the ground uh, I've got garden spot ready to go solarize all that but uh, putting them in the ground how should I what how should I treat them should I mulch around the base or water them every day or what can I do to help them survive in this heat one I wouldn't put them out yet I have starts just like you're talking about and they're six to eight inches tall they're inside, and I'm actually going to pot them up to a larger pot. I'm not putting them out yet. They don't need to be out suffering in this heat, um, especially not having any water. That's getting to be a real problem, too. So I'm just leaving them inside yet till it cools off some more. But what you said about, okay, you plant them, what do you do for them? Everything you just said. You want to put some compost in the soil where they're going in the ground. Yes, you want to mulch them and uh, watering them as needed. Not every day. You got to check the soil and see how wet it is. If it's dry, yes, water them. And a good, slow, deep soak. Remember when you plant those tomatoes, you plant them really, really deep. Tomatoes will set root anywhere they touch the ground. So if you plant them really deep, you're going to get lots and lots of roots, which means a bigger plant that can produce a bigger yield. You must have a good light system if you have them indoors. Uh, I, mean, I have, I have, a, I've, I've got I a, have a solar. Yeah. Say it again. I do have... A LED system, a single light that's just big enough to put down light over a seed tray. That's all the bigger it needed to be for me. And um, I have a very good morning sun window, so I can put them in full sun through the window in the morning. And at night, I put them under the grow light. So you mean uh, when you pot them up, that's going to take a lot of room. They won't all fit under your single grow light, though, right? They won't fit under mine. No, they'll fit. They'll still fit. How many pots? Ten. Oh, wow. You must have a, a pretty long grow light, I guess. Nope. Nope, it's LED. It's only about, oh. um, I think it may be 18 inches by six inches, something like that. 
but it is very high lumen. It produces a lot of light, and it can cover a pretty good-sized area. Between it and the sun that the plants get in a window, they're doing just fine. I may to, I may need to upgrade my my grow light. It's a it's a you know a tube. It's about well, it might be twenty inches long, but I don't think it's an LED. I think it's old school light, but it's a grow light. Well, it's probably not enough light. Uh, this particular grow light I have, I picked it up off of Amazon. I don't think it cost me twenty five dollars. Oh, and great. it's really been successful. Is it on a stand, like with a little reflector behind it? No, it's on a stand, but the light is at the top. There's no reflector for it. No, and it is a tube or a bulb, just a bulb? It's not a single bulb. It's a whole series of LEDs in the in the light system. Oh, wow, Okay. Well, that sounds good. That's probably what I have to do because I'm going to have a jungle in the kitchen. Uh, I've got it, you know, I've got my grow light and I've got about six transplants under it, shoulder to shoulder. And they've got plenty of room now, but like I say, they're getting too tall. And I do have some sun coming through the window that uh, it helps in the morning. But uh, that's my answer is uh, more light if I repot pot up. And yeah. Uh, what about pot? What size pot? It'd be just like eight inch because they're going to be there another month, maybe, right? Um, I'm going from two by twos to at least four by four. Oh, okay. I can go okay. up to one gallon pots, but uh, I'm not ready to do that yet. Matt, I'm up against a break. Good. Thank you for the call. Um, Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Pat. Pat, what can I help you with? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, very good. Um, I am, we have lost our yard. We're west of Austin, Brown Mountain area, and the yard has been dead all summer long, so we just didn't bother to try to revive it due to lack of water and so forth. So anyway, we're thinking about putting in a native grass of some sort and wanted to know what to do to prep the yard, um, clean it up, get it ready, and when to when to plant or seed. Okay. You have a catch-22 here. You have to understand that the native grasses, none of them are going to be turf grasses, meaning they can be one inch tall to several feet tall. Okay. Um, so I is do that okay? Well, I did do a little homework on that. I apologize for not mentioning. I saw that buffalo grass and the uh, blue gamma, I believe, are the shorter yeah. of the native grasses that have done well in central Texas. Yeah. They're like four, 
four to six inches, they said. Uh, they can get a little taller than that, but yes, they're as close as you're going to have to turf grass from the native grasses. You can start those. They make um, seed mixes. Used to be called thunder turf and things yes. like that. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to try to rake your yard to get as much of the dead out as you can. I mean, you don't have to go absolutely crazy and, you know, rake in big ruts into the turf. But if you can get rid of some of that dead cover, that will give you better start. Number two, okay. it will also make it much easier for the grass seed to be touching soil. You would sprinkle these seeds, and I would actually look at trying to get a lawn roller. You don't have to put 400 pounds of water in it like it can handle, but you could put some so that you could roll across the seed to help make sure the seeds really are touching the ground. And then okay. after that, um, I would go to uh, Native American Seed. Uh, the website is seedsource.com. And you can talk to them. They have a great discussion and article uh, telling you how to get your turf grasses like that to get a good start. So cleaning up the dead really helps. Um, the process of breaking the soil makes these ruts for the seeds to get into. And then, like I said, either go out dancing on your turf or the lawn roller. You want those seeds to really be in total contact with the soil. After that, water schedule and things like that. There's a, a great discussion on how to take care of that on the Native American Seed website. All right. Well, um, and what time of year would we do this? Uh, you could probably get, way, get away with it now because they need warmer temperatures for those seeds to germinate. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we got a frost in the forecast for quite a while yet. So I think you could do it now. It can take 30 days for them to germinate. So it's really going to be important to check in, read their documentation to see what it says about a watering routine. But All right. you can probably get away with it that now because it's warm enough for the seeds to germinate. All right. Well, it sounds like a plan. So thank you very much. You bet. Good luck. Um, yeah, folks, that kind of grass you may be able to start now. It has a warmer temperature requirement for the seeds to germinate. It is too warm right now for uh, things like uh, rye, annual or perennial. Let's go to the phone. This is Gloria. Gloria, what can I help you with? Yeah. Um, so I don't. I may be weird, but I like mesquite trees. 
Plus, there's not a heck of a lot that'll grow on my property. <laughs> so um, when I pick up the pods uh, from the mesquite trees and and open there's open them up, there, there's no individual seeds. Uh, every single one of them, no matter what tree, it, it's like a solid, solidified thing. So how do you plant them, and how do how do they how do they replant themselves? Okay, the the best source I have for you is um, a book by Jill Noakes, N O K E S. You can find it at Half Price Books. It's probably in a local library. It is um, how to plant native Texas and Southwest plants. And um, it is something you want on, if you're a regular gardener, it's something that goes in your library of plants. Um, It has a discussion of the steps you need to take to get that mesquite to go. When you look at the pods of your mesquite, are they solid or are there any tiny little holes in them? They're all solid. And I take them from different. I'm in a park right now and there's a lot of mesquite. Um, and, you know, you open them up. I mean, there's no way to, like, open it up like a pea pod and take out seeds. And just, they, they're brittle and, and there's no individual seeds. It's like one big solid piece of you know, like celery or something. I don't explain it. Well, there's no individual seeds. Jill's book has a wonderful description of how to start these plants. So you may want to check out her book, um, Jill, N-O-K-E-S, Jill Noakes. And she has a great explanation on how to take almost any Texas tree and uh, especially things like uh, mesquite and propagate it. Um, okay. Gloria, I'm sorry. We're at the bottom of the hour. We have to break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, let's see here. Let's go to the phone. This is Jonna. What can I help you with? Hello. Hi, Jeff. Um, I live up in Burnett, and um, of course, you know, I'm right on the water of Lake Buchanan, and my pecan trees are slowly, well, now fast, leaving their, dropping their leaves, and they're not getting enough water. My my well is not working, and the water up here is like, my last bill was $400, and they've cranked down on watering so I've had to really limit that. So we've been trucking water from the lake in uh, <laughs> in uh, ice chests and stuff to water them. But should I, all the leaves that are on the ground, would it be beneficial to leave them there to protect the ground and water? Or should I mulch them with my mulching mower 
Um, what's that's, your opinion on that? And, and how much water should I be watering the trees? Okay. They're, they're very mature. Mulching those leaves with a mulching mower is a good idea. It will return nutrients back to the soil for the tree. How much water? Normally, a good, deep, slow soaking, you want to be able to water, and the next day, um, stick your fingers down in the soil at least five inches. If you can feel moisture at five inches, you put down the right amount of water. It's hard to say X amount because you're, I don't know what your soil is like. But that's it, a granite. goal. Yeah, that is a goal to, to be able to get that water to soak down about five inches. Now, it is not unusual for pecans to do what they're doing. This kind of heat and any water stress at all, which they're, in, they're obviously suffering, will cause them to drop those leaves early. It is, not, it is not a sign of the tree dying. It is a sign of the tree not being happy. When we can get some rain again, that will make a huge difference. The question is when. Nobody knows. If you can keep bringing water like you are, that'll only help. But that's how much water they need. If you water today, tomorrow, five inches down, you're going to feel moisture in the soil. Okay. Um, where should I be putting the water? Near the trunk, in the mid-range, or out, out where their limbs stop? Normally, we would say out where the limbs stop. That's called the drip line. However, you can move that in for the pecan because it tends to be a tap-rooted tree, meaning most of its roots are going straight down into the soil. So maybe at the midline there, you get that water into the soil. There are roots there. They will take up the water. It will help the tree but you don't have to take it all the way out to the drip line of the tree. Okay. Okay. How will I know if they're, if they're, I, I just won't know if they're okay until next season. Correct. And they should be, they should okay. be, but you're going to have a problem. Uh, have they produced yet? No. How old are they? Probably 50 years old. They didn't produce last year either. They need, they would appreciate, I should say, during the summer, a little fertilizer. Okay. Uh, a little bit of a nitrogen-based fertilizer. Um, something where the first number is the biggest, and it doesn't need to be really big, but you would fertilize it, uh, if you go by the A&M pecan tree guide, it's like May, June, July, and August. Assuming that you can get it water, of course, but that would be a good time to be fertilizing the pecan. And that may help you get 
a, a better chance at producing uh, pecan nuts. Okay. So a nitrogen uh, based fertilizer, and I want the big number to be first. Right. And that okay. big number doesn't have to be any bigger than a 10, okay? Okay. They'll be just fine with that smaller number because you're going to give them some every month for those four months while it's uh, nut producing time. Okay. Okay. And producing time is generally? Spring. You, um, I, I know of trees that are dropping nuts right now. Okay. All right. I think, I think that's it. I just hope everybody's praying for rain. <laughs> um, I don't know. I wish I could tell you when it's coming, but right now we got at least another week, if not two. <sighs> Okay. Thanks. You're amazing. Appreciate the help. Uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, um, that's the thing. If you could predict the rain. Let's go to the phone. This is Hester. Hester, what can I help you with? Yeah, this is uh, another pecan tree question. My pecan tree is looking beautiful. Three weeks ago, it was full of pecans. I live in Buda. We happen to have a a shower come through. Well, the wind blew pretty hard during the shower. And uh, I went out there the next day, and 90% of my pecans were on the ground. Is that normal, or should I have done something earlier on to fertilize it? Or No. Um, are the pecans edible? No, they're all still green in the casing. The casings haven't started to open up yet. And that was another question. Will they, if I pick them up off the ground, will they ripen? Nope. Okay. Um, the, you, you really couldn't have done anything. This was a weather and uh, an environmental condition. It would yeah. have been great if it didn't knock them all off, but this happens. So I would try to to follow through and cherish the ones that are still on the tree. Okay. And what does that consist of? I mean, uh, do I need, should I do anything to the tree right now or just kind of let it go? Because the tree still you looks let, beautiful. You can let it go. Okay. Let those pecans that are on there ripen on the tree. Once they start splitting shucks, then you can start harvesting the nuts. Okay. Well, I guess uh, that's it, because I was so worried. I mean, it was just, like I said, I went out there, and there had to be like five to 600 pecans just sitting on the ground. So Happens. It's frustrating, but it does happen. There may have been okay. enough wind and rain to knock those off of there. Yeah, and it blew pretty good that day, and, and we actually got like four-tenths of an inch out of it, which I was happy for the rain, but... When I went out the next day and seen all the pecans, I was going, man, did I do something wrong here? But, I mean, I'm looking at the tree right now, and it's, I mean, it's doing good. I mean, the leaves are green. It looks good. So just let it go and see what happens, huh? Yep. 
Okay. Well, I appreciate your help, and that makes me feel better because I thought maybe I need to do something else with it. And uh, thanks for your help. Thanks for the call. Uh, Michael and Danny, I see you there. I got to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Michael. Michael, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. Hi. Um, I'm in Burnett, but I just wanted to say that to promote Burnett. Anyways, um, I had a question. I've been using... Um, coffee grains in a lot of my house plants and i talked to some people out at backbone valley and they told me i couldn't use it in everything what type of plants would thrive with that the coffee grains the acid in the coffee grains i mean what should i do what shouldn't i do basically is what i'm trying to figure out i don't want to use it on something it's i i don't know of any plant that would be harmed by it oh it is okay, a so. very very low fertilizer it's usually <coughs> a two zero zero okay. and it's high in carbon which is something that the biology of the soil needs to feed the little critters that are actually transferring nutrient from the soil to the roots of your plant so I I don't really know of any plant that I couldn't use it on. Um, I see. Well, that's that's their good, comment that's awesome. that their comment that oh that you should there are plants you shouldn't use it on. Follow up with what plants are those? Because yeah, she couldn't tell you're, you're me. Right. She couldn't tell me. She just yeah, she guessed. Okay. Yeah. Um, I. I do like that it is slightly acidic. It does help keep the soil, especially outside plants. Now, in a container, it may Even not be outside a huge plants? deal. Oh, yeah. You can oh, man, I'm going to start saving all my coffee out- grains. Yeah. There's, uh, you can turn right around and use it as a top dressing around your plants. Now, a lot of people How- will add it to... Uh, their compost pile because see, it is right. a, something that will help the compost break down faster. But you can apply it directly uh, to the soil. Now, not very thick. You know, I don't know how much coffee you drink anyway to have <laughs> that many grounds, but you don't have to apply it very thick, like quarter to half an inch and that will add acidity. It will add a little bit of nutrient. And it will add the carbon that's so important for the soil to really develop that till. That's awesome. That's great. I appreciate the advice, sir. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Michael. Yeah, folks, I don't know of any don't use coffee grounds on this plant. Inside or out. It's a great addition. Let's go to the phone. This is Danny. Danny, what can I help you with? Hey, let me get off the speaker first. Uh, my caladiums love coffee grounds, by the way. Yeah. Um, my question is, we surprisingly have had uh, maybe at least one pair and maybe two pair 
of woodpeckers start coming to our bird feeder. I just thought they were meat eaters and was surprised that they would be eating the seeds. But maybe that's the drought. And then they're also now at the bird bath. My question is, am I going to be sorry at some later point in time that I didn't run them off because they're pecking everything around here? Or, or are they okay to have around? They're not harmful. They are omnivores. Though you would normally see them eating bugs, there are some seeds that they'll go after. And you make a good assumption in the fact that in this drought, there is probably a fallback for them. Um, I have a pair. I love to see them in my bird bath because it's such a unique bird and they have a unique call. Do they oh, yeah. damage the trees? No. No, they're more, they're definitely more beneficial because you got to remember they're picking bugs off of the plant that may be damaging the plant. So they're kind of a helpful cleanup crew for you to, in terms of pest control. Well, I enjoy them. And, and, the, and if I'm going to have to run them off, we have, for some reason or other, a flock of bluebirds also this year. They always seem to come in together. So if I'm going to run them off, I'm going to shoot the bluebirds off, which I obviously don't want to do. So um, anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be sorry that I wasn't trying to shoo them away because I was, I was just surprised they, sh- they showed up eating seeds. Yeah. Well, one of the problems for them, Danny, is habitat. They are cavity nesting birds, and there aren't that many cavities left. Now, I've seen, if you look online, I've seen a couple of people have some really good suggestions for making a woodpecker house. It was kind of a cool little setup they had. But you're probably not going to get large numbers of them simply because there's not a lot of habitat for them. Well, and that's true. We're in the country where there are, you know, lots of, uh, uh, we have lots of hackberries that are in various points of decline after the super freeze. So, you know, they do have some habitat here. Anyway, I would just like to say, I, I didn't want to run them off. I enjoy them too. I enjoy the call, like you said. Uh, I did, But I didn't want to know that I should have kind of tried to discourage them in two years or something. Nah, they're not harmful, and they're worth the entertainment value. Oh, yeah, and pretty. I mean, they are redheaded, you know, and you can definitely tell the male and the female. The female is a little more washed out than the male on the color of the the head. Uh, No, I enjoy them. Like I said, I just didn't want to know if I needed to take some steps to shoo them off more. Nope, you're doing good. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate uh, appreciate your information and 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 your show. All right, thanks for the call, Danny. Yeah, folks, we Danny did the exact right thing. Is this a beneficial? Is this detrimental? That's question number one. If it's not causing problems, it's not causing problems. There's no reason to get rid of it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up at the top of the hour. We need to break for the news. I'll catch you all on the other side.